RadioInfluence.com You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles, and welcome back to In the Trenches. Uh, we're going to have some fun today because that was probably about as much fun as I've had as a Buccaneer fan a, all year for sure. Uh, I guess go back to the Fitz Magic era of last year, which was a couple, three games. That was fun as well. But other than that, we haven't had a lot of fun as Buccaneer fans, and that was fun to watch yesterday. Uh, the Buccaneers are 4-7 and seven now. Uh, 35-22 win over Atlanta. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal because Atlanta has three wins, I believe. Um, but Atlanta had, had two big wins in a row. People were talking about that team turning a corner and surging and winning out. And uh, they're not, no, we're a better football team than them. I, I really believe that. Now, they're they're ailing a little bit. They got some people hurt. Julio Jones looked 50%. Um, so we put it on them. Okay, good. We haven't put it on a team yet this year. We put it on the Falcons. Um, the way that the Buccaneers came out in that first drive, you know, when you saw the tight end wide open in the middle of the field, I was like, uh, here we go. You know, because I, I thought the Bucs were going to win this game. I really did. Like, everybody was talking about how well Atlanta was playing. And I'm like, you know what? They won two games in a row. There's a reason why they only have three wins. The Bucs always seem to figure out a way to win games, maybe everybody doesn't think they're going to win. And I go, this is not a great football team. There's got to be a reason why, you know, you've only had three wins. And there's a reason why we only had three wins as well. But we've watched it. We haven't really watched the Atlanta Falcons and seen all the bonehead things they can do. And they can do some bonehead things. Now, when you're looking around the league, and um, we can get to the quarterback play here in a second, um, because we definitely have a schizophrenic quarterback here. Uh, when you look at the quarterback play throughout the league, you know, um, there's quarter, quarterbacks go off. Matt Ryan has been going off. You know what else has been happening with Matt Ryan? He hasn't been getting hit like he got hit yesterday. Matt Ryan got hit and hit and hit and hit, and even on plays where he wasn't hit, there was somebody in his face. You know what happens? You struggle. Aaron Rodgers had, I think, 33 pass attempts, and he had 104 yards passing. That's because the defense put it on them and they beat the crap out of their old line. It's not rocket science, everybody. Everybody thinks it's the quarterback that wins games. No, it's the line in that wins games. That, thus, the name of my you know podcast, In the Trenches, you win games in the trenches, no doubt about that. And to see the tight end running down the middle of the field and Devin White and Whitehead looking at each other like, whose guy is that? I was like, okay, it's going to be another one of those games. But after watching the way that game unfolded with... Jameis with the two early interceptions, uh, early busts in coverage. You know, this young football team caught itself. Um, Jameis definitely caught himself to having a, a pretty darn good game after those two first picks. <sighs> Jameis is the weirdest, one of the weirdest football players uh, or athletes that I've ever covered before because the throws, he, he had four throws in that game that there's only a half dozen quarterbacks in, it, in the league that will even try, all right? He'll have a half dozen throws that only the elite could even attempt. And every game he'll have three throws that only the worst quarterbacks in the league will attempt. So when you look at Jameis Winston, and this is not only me in my eye, 
They said I, it came out of the broadcast. He's the only player in history of the NFL to average more than 300 yards passing and two interceptions a game in the history. Because usually if you, if you average more than two interceptions a game, you got to go. And normally when you average more than 300 yards a game, you don't question them. So they don't go together. What it turns out into, what it turns into is a guy you can't cut and a guy you can't bench. It's too, he's, he's, he's too good to bench. He's too good to bench. But he makes some bonehead plays. The jump pass, I get what happened. Jameis is being more aggressive with his legs, which I think makes him uh, a substantially better quarterback that he's not making as many bonehead throws. He got a few good uh, first downs off of his legs. He set out to make a first down with his legs, realized he, he had a guy coming into his hip, jumps to make a play, and halfway in it, maybe was questioning himself. And he shouldn't have made that play, obviously. Uh, Wally or whatever his name is, he kept on going. The ball goes behind him. He gets tips for interception. Jameis knows as he's in the air, he's making a mistake. But you take the good, the bad, and the ugly with Jameis. And um, Jameis makes ugly plays. He makes them. But he also gives up the booty on ugly plays as well. But Jameis Winston, if that if that's not a microcosm of his whole career, you know, in one game, that was pretty much it. I mean, Jameis Winston um, played up to his potential and down his potential again, and he's done he's done that many many times. He's gonna throw for three hundred often. He's gonna he's gonna have two interceptions often, and. This football team is starting to get better around Jameis Winston, okay? And I think that's important. Mike Evans had a couple drops yesterday that he probably normally won't have, okay? Um, pass blocking-wise, Jameis was pretty clean all game long. He evaded a couple sacks by himself. Um, but as in general, I thought the offensive line played pretty darn well. So now we're seeing an offensive line that's coming together. Next year... Really, all you got to do is replace DeMar Dotson. You can find a right tackle. Go find a right tackle somewhere. Somewhere. Now, tight end-wise, O.J. Howard, I'm starting to not get it. Like, uh, as far as the tight end goes, we're not utilizing or I don't know if the play calling for the tight ends. I really don't know. But it's almost like we shouldn't even have tight ends out there. But if we want to be a running team, you got to put tight ends out there. So, really, next year, if the Bucks didn't spend an astronomical amount of money on tight ends and brought in blocking tight ends, nothing would change because we don't hit them that often. You know, O.J. Howard, eh, I mean, I don't get it anymore. It's just, we, he's just somebody we talk about a lot, and that's about it. So we'll see where we're going to go tight end-wise. Cameron Braid, I don't know if his body can last, okay? And O.J. Howard, I don't know if he's going to be here next year. But if you're looking at things to look at with this Buccaneer team to be optimistic about, you know, sometimes you look at the liabilities on a team. And if you said this year, who, what was our biggest liability? I bet the average Buck fan, 80% of them will say our defensive backfield. Let me tell you guys something, okay? Whether you're the Niners or the Raiders or the Cleveland Browns who are trying to build something, Rome wasn't built in a day. You have to watch people struggle before they become great, okay? This defensive backfield First of all, it's it's young. When I mean young, I mean it's very young. Very, very young. There's a bunch of young kids running around with pacifiers in their mouths, learning in front of us, making big plays, big busts, 
miscommunication, a lot of different things. But you know what is out there? A whole lot of talent. And in two years from now, if this defensive backfield, if we're still hearing uh, Carlton's name and Dean's name, all these guys, these young kids, this is going to be a fantastic defensive backfield. Maybe the best in the league. If they keep their head on straight, if they stay healthy, um, if we continue to get better with a pass rush. Like we had a pass rush this week, a good pass rush. Matt Ryan was uncomfortable. Boy, when you become uncomfortable as a quarterback, you do dumb shit. And he did dumb shit this week. But as far as our defensive backfield goes, they're going to be great. There's no doubt in my mind. As, as a player who started 16 games as a rookie, I started 16 games my rookie year. Was I good my rookie year? Nope. Was I much better my second year? Much. What I mean, I was 50% better my second year, but I still wasn't great. Now, once you get to your third year and you start understanding the game a little bit and your body's still intact, that's when they start becoming great. And this year, these guys are getting good, making young bonehead mistakes. Next year, they're going to be good. And the year after that, if everything's intact, they're going to be great. And things are going to start to happen. Because if you watched that game yesterday with the pass rush we were applying on Matt Ryan, um, there was, I'm going to say, five clean interceptions we left on the field yesterday. I know that Carlton, uh, he had one, and he missed on another one. Um, Dean missed on one that was pretty darn clean. Levante David had a Derek Brooks-type interception that should have went for a touchdown. Dominican Sue had one where he could have jumped easily and catch the ball. He's a better athlete than that. And there might have been another one on the field somewhere, but those are going to turn into interceptions real quick, okay? We don't have that many. Yesterday, we were getting after them, and we should have had four or five yesterday. It should have been that type of game. It should have been a six-sack, five-interception game. Um, we should have held them less than 22 uh, points. But defensively, I'm starting to see it. Offensively, I'm starting to see a little bit too. Mike Evans uh, is an up-and-down player, more up than down. Uh, it's either Godwin or Evans. It's, it is whoever's the hot hand. It never seems to happen together, which is maybe a little bit odd. But yesterday, Godwin was the man. The first touchdown that Jameis threw to Godwin down the seam, uh, when I'm talking about passes that only a few quarterbacks can throw, I'm talking about in the history of the game. That ain't one that anybody weak of heart is going to throw anytime soon. All right. That ball was he was thrown open and there couldn't have been uh, more than two feet hit or miss ratio where it could have went either way because the, the, the ball couldn't have been too many places. That was an amazing catch, amazing throw. Um, and if you're Jameis Winston at that point and you have two interceptions, you got some big nuts to throw that ball. Another ball that Jameis threw to Godwin in the end zone, the one that was behind Godwin. Now, I was listening to the broadcast, and sometimes you listen to broadcasts, and they can't really see everything all the time. The ball did go behind Godwin, but do yourself a favor and go back and watch the game. Number 27 for the Falcons was in the direct line of the ball. If Jameis threw it to where Godwin wanted him to throw it, throw it, 27 it would have hit him right in the chest. So Jameis threw it behind him on purpose to where Godwin was the only one to get the ball. Now, Godwin made an amazing catch, but the adjustment that Jameis made made that play. And it looks like a bad throw, but Jameis couldn't have thrown that ball anywhere else. So little things. Those are little things that maybe greatness of Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, you may see it, but I think people are missing it with Jameis because 
of the bonehead things he does. They, they, they miss some of the genius. There's some genius out there for sure. Now, there's some things we have to worry about. Matt Gay, got to start worrying about Matt Gay. Making, you know, he's made some field goals this year. Missed two, one blocked. The other two he made, barely made it. I don't know if he has the shanks, the yips. I don't know what he has, but it's not good. I don't feel good when he goes out there right now, and I was starting to feel uh, significantly better. Shaq Barrett uh, is making money, people. Uh, Like, listen... I don't know what happened to Shaq Barrett in the offseason. I don't know if he took some extra special vitamins. Don't know why all of a sudden he's surfacing. But um, yesterday, the beginning of the year, I was like, Jesus, Krim, this kid is for real. Then he fizzled off a little bit. Last week, okay. This week, he was back to Superman again. He was everywhere yesterday. Flying around the field, making things happen, strip fumbles. I mean, but everywhere with bad intentions. He's going to jump offside once a game. That's just, that's his game. He's anticipating the count all day. He's going to jump offsides once again. But he is making plays. JPP um, hadn't seen a whole lot since that first play he came back. He made a play late in the game, uh, which ended up uh, with the uh, Sue touchdown, which was nice to see. And the Vita V touchdown was nice to see as well. I saw him in the backfield. The second I saw him go out, you know, flare, I go, I yell out, Vita! And he was wide open. That's not the easiest catch in the world to make either, people. When you're wide-ass open with all that equipment on, and you know when the whole world is watching you, that ain't the easiest thing in the world to do. But uh, Vita is quite the athlete and um, turning into a pretty darn good football player. And I'm liking what I'm seeing effort-wise from him. Sue, I've seen Sue making some plays down the field and hustle plays. Those are things that you want to see. But everybody, I want everybody to be patient somewhat. And as Buccaneer fans, it's hard to be patient. Like last week, everybody wanted to fire Bruce Arians. They wanted to they wanted to demote Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich is fine. It's 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 about the players. It's about the players. All right. Byron Leftwich can call the plays. He can't block. He can't run the routes. The first interception that Jameis threw. I don't even know what to how, how to comment. I'd have to listen. I'll listen to the Bruce Arians show, and he'll tell me. And everybody, when you guys listen to Bruce Arians, I'm telling you, a lot of people want think that Bruce Arians is covering people's asses. No, he's not. He don't he don't give a shit about nobody's ass. He gives a shit about his own ass. He's gonna let you know. Okay, if if he says Jameis threw 18 picks and 10 are on Jameis, then that's the number. They that's what they do. I don't know what happened in that first one. You know, Mike was double teamed. With the DB playing the way he was, I, there's no reason why Mike should have run that route. All right, that was a wrong route. I, I, they're not on the same page, but it, from the configuration of the defense, there's no offense who makes somebody run that rounded route. So I think Mike lost his concentration. Whether Jameis should have thrown it or not, I don't know. I mean, it's it's all I know is this: Mike Evans and Jameis Winston were not on the same page on that play, and it resulted in an interception. And that's how you lose football games. And that's how we've played all year long. And those are the kind of things we got to get out of our repertoire, like, real, real quick. Because it's hard to make those kind of mistakes and still figure out a way to win that game. And we did it yesterday. But it was nice to see everybody was talking all year who has the best receiver tandem between Evans and Godwin and uh, Julio and Ridley. Well, we beat that ass yesterday. You know, uh, Evans and Godwin were the best of what we saw yesterday. Um, I love what I'm starting to see on the defensive front. 
was Carl Nassar back, him getting some good uh, reps in there. This Nunez Roches kid um, got some good reps yesterday, kicking some ass up front. But what it does is it spells Vita and Sue, gives them a little time to rest, relax themselves, and uh, come back strong. But to see a rotation like that on a defensive line reminds me of Rod Marinelli and uh, Monty Kiffin, what those guys used to do way back when, when the backups were getting eight, nine sacks. Not the number one guy. The backups were getting eight or nine sacks, and that's what that's all about. But uh, if you guys ever want to contact me, you can email me at ianbeckles at radioinfluence.com. I have one here from uh, Brian Alfonso talking about um, point leaders. Uh, why are they all kickers? Uh, well, point leaders can't be a quarterback because quarterbacks don't score touchdowns. So it's going to be uh, either a receiver or a running back or a kicker. But kickers kick the ball a lot, all right? Uh, so you get four you get four field goals in the game. That's like scoring four t- two touchdowns. So that's why they're all kickers. We don't run the ball that much anymore, it doesn't seem like. You don't see running backs with three and four touchdowns anymore. Um, and that's just, there's this, you see a lot of people spreading it around. So that's why the kickers are all on top of that. And there were some other pizza lover was talking about the attendance in Atlanta, which was God awful. And, uh, you know, they don't deserve more people in the stands. And when I watch our Bucks game, we don't deserve it either. Okay. And it ain't pretty period. And, uh, they're feeling good about themselves, but they're going to watch that film and say, well, maybe we weren't as damn good as we thought. And maybe the Bucks watch the film and say, hey, guys, maybe we're better than what we are. Next three games, they play the Jags, the Colts, and the Lions. Those are three very winnable games. Colts are a good football team. The Jags, eh. The Lions, without Stafford, should win that game. It wouldn't be the craziest thing. No. JPP came out last week and said, we can run the table. Everybody was laughing. I was like, hey, you can't run the table unless you say you can. So, one game at a time. You know, Jags one game, Colts one game, Lions one game. Now all of a sudden you're seven and seven, and people are talking about next year is going to be the year. That's how easy it is. Sounds easy, but it ain't because the other team on the other side is preparing as well. Well, once again, I appreciate you guys listening in. It's always better to talk about the Bucks when they come off a victory, and let's hope that we put a couple and couple three in a row here. I think they're much better than this Jaguar team, so let's get that done. But thank you for listening in the trenches. This has been Ian Beckles. I hope you guys listen every single week. Make sure to listen to Ron and Ian's show today. We'll be on from 3 to 5, and then they have some of those coaches' shows and stuff like that on 620 AM and 95.3 uh, FM. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and please be safe. Peace out. You have been in the trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hey gang, Jerry P. Tuck here, co-host of A Place for My Head. Each week, Brandon Thompson and I are going to be talking about the importance of mental health. We're going to be talking everything from stress, anxiety, different mental illnesses, different chronic illnesses, and frankly, the rigors of everyday life and how we all struggle to get through it. We're not medical professionals, but we are looking to start that conversation that needs to be had about the stigma around mental illness and how it affects us every single day. We'll talk to experts, but at the end of the day, A Place for My Head is all about real people with real stories about real life. 
check out A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and myself, Jerry P. Tuck, each week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.